you so that it might make its way into the heart of your people. God, I pray that you would just open up ears to hear, that you would open up hearts to receive, Father God, that you would just shut out all the cares and the concerns of this week, God, that you would come against any hindering spirit, anything that would try to unsettle our soul, Father God, so that there would not be a single word that is snatched away by the enemy this evening. Let your word find a place in the soil of our soul so that you would be glorified tonight. We praise you for your presence. We covet it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Last week, church, we began our journey. We've been on this journey of spiritual restoration and rebuilding the gates. Last week, we began our journey through the purity gates, the gates where God begins a transformation process in our lives. These are the gates where God puts us on his workbench. He puts us on his making station, like I said last week, and he begins to transform our lives. He begins to develop godly character in our lives. These gates, the purity gates, the valley gate and the dung gate church are where the old man begins to make its way down to the dung heap where the old man begins to pass away. And when we have gone through these gates, we can rise up in newness of life. What we have to realize is that without these purity gates in our lives, our lives or our soul will not prosper. What you need to understand when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the sons and daughters of God, our prosperity is not measured by the kind of car we drive. It's not measured by the kind of house we live in. It's not measured by the amount of money we have in our bank. And when it comes to the sons and daughters of God, our prosperity is measured by the condition of our soul. And what you need to understand is that when your soul prospers, God can prosper every area of your life. When your soul prospers, your mind will prosper, your finances will prosper, your marriage will prosper, your job will prosper. But when your soul lacks, every other area of your life can lack as well. So that's how we measure our prosperity. It's by the condition of our soul. Last week, we looked at the valley gate. This week, we're going to look at the dung gate, which is recorded in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to read that one simple verse, and then I'm going to move on to a, uh, just recap the valley gate and then lead back into the dung gate. But in Nehemiah chapter 3, uh, verse 14, it says, And Malchiah, the son of Rechab, or Rechab, the official of the district of Beth-Hakarim, or Hakirem, all these fancy words, uh, repaired the refuse gate or the dung gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and with its bars. And all that means is that he made sure, church, that this gate was in place. He made sure that this gate was established. He made sure that this gate was built and put in place the way it should be. And what you and I need to realize and what we got to be careful to do is every time we try to establish a gate in our lives, we can't walk away from it until it's done. We can't walk away from it until it's hung in place, until it's secured in our lives. And we got to work at it as long as we have to, to make sure that it's not weak, to make sure that the enemy can't get in. But before I continue on that, I want to go back and recap real quickly on the valley gate. The valley gate is where we mature in our faith and in Christ's likeness church. It's where we develop godly character because of the valley that God brings us in, because of the storm he allows us to go through. It's where we mature in our soul. 
This in the valley church at the valley gate is where we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Because how many of you know when you're going through the valley, your sight can deceive you. Your sight can lead you astray. Your sight can play tricks on you. It's exactly why when we walk through the valley gate church, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Christ and keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. What I want to give you an understanding about how our eyesight can deceive us before I even move on to anything else. In Numbers 13, you know the story about when the 12 spies went down into the land or the valley of Canaan to spy out the land. Ten of them came back and they said, look, they said, we look like grasshoppers in the enemy's sight. We look like grasshoppers compared to those who are dwelling in that place. And the reality is when we enter into a valley, the devil can play tricks on us. He can try to deceive us and he can try to distract us. And it's exactly what happened with these 10 spies when they went into the city. Their sight deceived them and it can deceive us as well, especially church in the valley. That's why we must always keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's exactly why when we're in a valley like David, we must set our eyes into the hills because that's where our help comes from. We cannot afford like Peter to take our eyes off of Christ when we're facing a stormy sea because when we take our eyes off of Christ, listen, that's when we become deceived. It's when we see things that when we in the natural and when we continue to look at things in the natural they take control of our lives so this is what we have to realize we must keep our eyes fixed on Christ especially when we're walking in the valley the truth is when we walk by sight in the valley it's where the bad report is born I want you to understand that that it was in the valley, it was in the valley when these ten spies uh, were deceived by their natural eyesight that the bad report was born. We need to understand that it's when we walk by sight in the storm that we begin to grumble and we begin to complain like the disciples did when they were on the stormy sea and they shook Jesus and, and, and said, Do you not care, Lord, that we're perishing? Because listen, in the valley our eyes can deceive us. It's why we must walk by faith and not by sight when we walk by sight. The royal priesthood, the holy nation, God's chosen people become mere grasshoppers instead of more than conquerors. Here's what you need to understand when it comes to the valley gate. Whenever God brings you into a valley, you cannot afford to take your eyes off of God. You cannot afford to walk by sight. You must walk by faith or you will be deceived, you will be distracted, and you will be overcome. The reality is, church, listen, when we walk by sight in the valley, we lose our inheritance and we cannot operate in power. When the children of Israel, these ten spies, were deceived by their sight and came back with a bad report, and the people listened to that bad report, guess what happened? They lost their inheritance. I want you to realize that when you go through the valley and you take your eyes off of God, you take your eyes off of the word that should be established in your life, you will lose or can lose your inheritance and you cannot operate in power. This is just a follow up that I want to remind us concerning the valley that we walk through and the valley gate. 
Only two spies received their inheritance when they came out of that valley. And only two received the power to take the land. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Because they were willing to walk through the valley. Because they were willing to walk by faith and not by sight. God said to Joshua, every place that your foot treads shall be yours. And see, I don't know about you, but I want that kind of promise and I want that kind of power to be fulfilled in my life. And the reality is the only way that kind of power will be released in your life is when you learn to walk by faith and not by sight. It's when you're willing to go into the valley and claim that which belongs to you like David did, I talked about last week, who went into the valley and defeated Goliath and victory was brought or wrought in that occasion. Remember, the valley gate is a place of preparation for the power gates that come into our lives. The, the, the valley gate is where God prepares us for something greater. The valley is where God prepares to exalt us to a higher level and a higher place in the kingdom of God. I shared with you last week that it's not until we go down to the valley does God raise us back up. We need to understand that. I'll give you a better understanding as we go along. What we have to understand is after the uh, priority gates after getting our priorities in order which were the first three gates we then come to the purity gates and then we come to the power gates why because god will not pour out his power into unclean vessels god will not release his anointing upon the unrighteous this is the path that we have to follow we must go to the purity gates before we expect or can expect the power of god to be released in our lives. If you go ahead and put up the diagram, I want you to take a look at something, or if you have your handout, or the big handout, or even the little handout, I want you to see the journey that God takes us on. I know you can't read all of this that's up there, but at least give you an idea of the diagram, or the path, or the, 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 the journey you would say that God is taking us on. What, you want, what I want you to see is that He begins, uh, or brings us, into the fold or he brings us into relationship with him at the sheep gate where he or he brings us in over at the fish gate but then there comes and here there's two main things i want you to see once we come in through the sheep gate once we come in through the fish gate all of a sudden there becomes a change of direction in our life you can see on that map you can see on the the building of the wall that there is a sharp turn Right here at this corner, right here at the change of direction, God brings us to the old gate. At that curve, here's what I want you to understand what we've learned so far. This is the crossroad that God brings us to. It is a crossroad where every single one of us have to decide which way am I going to go in life? Which road am I going to follow? Which master am I going to serve? Am I going to follow in my own ways or am I going to follow in God's ways? In order to follow in God's ways, you've got to come to the old gate at the old gate it becomes the good way it becomes the ancient way and what we need to understand is that when we come to that crossroad in life we have to we there is a change of direction in our life we take a turn we take a a change of direction because look if you at this point in your life if you don't make a change of direction if you don't begin to follow God's ways if you don't begin to follow the word of God in your life you're just going to keep on wandering away from God there must come a point in every one of our lives after we come to Christ that we have a change of direction in our life once that 
change takes place. Once we change direction, God leads us in another direction. And what we've learned so far is that then God begins to take us through the valley gate. He begins to lead us into the valley. He begins to teach us his word. He begins to mature us. He begins to sow his word into our life. He begins to establish his word in our life. And I know this is just a quick little diagram that you can see, especially the handout. But I want you to see the road and the path that God leads us in church. There's that first turning point when we decide to walk in God's ways. And then after that, we come down to the valley gate through this whole area where we find ourselves in the valley gate was the time of testing. It's a place of humility. And I'm not going to reteach all of that. But here's what I want you to understand. This in the valley gate, these two gates, the purity gate. The the two purity gates is where God begins to humble us. It's here at the purity gates where we begin to make another turn, church. It's not a drastic turn, but we we begin to make another turn away from sin and toward God. Then once we get through this purity gate, the final purity gate, which is the dung gate, which I'm going to look at tonight, we then take another drastic turn up towards God. I know it's really difficult to see, but there's two main turning points that we have to see in our journey with God. It's first, we begin to turn and walk in God's ways instead of our own ways. Then in that journey, God brings us to these purity gates where he begins to take out the things that don't belong there. He begins to take out all the impurities that stand in the way of his power moving and operating in our life. Once we come to the dung gate and we allow God to take out all those things that are unclean, there is all there is all of a sudden another drastic turn in our life and the power of God is released in our life. And now we begin a journey back towards God. Here's what I want you to understand real quick on the left side or the west side of the city is where God works in us on the right side or the the, the eastern side of the city is where God works through us on the on the west side of the city is a time of preparation on the on the east side of the, 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 the city is a time of promotion. And unless you and I are willing to follow this path that God leads for us or or lays out for us, unless we are willing to go through these purity gates, we will never be exalted in the kingdom of God. We will never find a promotion in the kingdom of God. Here's what I want you to see on the on the west side of the city is where God invests himself in us. On the eastern side of the city is where God sees a return on that investment. And God won't see a return and can't see a return on the investment he's made in our lives until we're willing to go through the purity gates, until we're willing to go to the dung gate. The reality is there's a whole lot of us that live our entire Christian life on the west side of the wall. There's a whole lot of us that live our entire Christian life just letting God sow into us, sow into us, sow into us, sow into us, and yet we never become profitable to the kingdom. We never, we never bring a profit back to the investment God has made in our lives because we refuse to go through the purity gates. 
But God is looking for a people, church, who is willing to turn his investment into a profit. What God is looking for is a group of individuals that are willing to step through that purity gate so God can promote them into the kingdom of God, so that God can pour out his anointing and pour out his power and to begin to use them in a way that they can change the world and affect the world. The, 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 the left side, I say the left side of the city is where God just pours into us. On the right side of the city is where what he's poured in needs to start coming out. And it's not going to happen until we go through these purity gates. I know that was a quick, just a little lesson, but I wanted to establish that uh, before we even moved on. For those who come to the old gate, the next part of the journey takes them through the valley and then God begins to raise them up. If you look at the diagram, you can see that during this stage of our life, when we get down to the bottom gate, the purity gate, this is where we once again, like I said, change course. Uh, this is where we begin to operate in the power that God has in store for us. But here's what I want you to stand, understand. It's after the dung gate that we make this turn. It's after this dung gate that we begin to experience the power of God. It's after the dung gate that we begin to find ourselves being promoted in the kingdom of God. It's after the dung gate where we go from glory to glory to glory. How many of you know God wants to promote you in the kingdom? How many of you know God wants to pour out his power into your life? How many of you understand that God wants you to be more than conquerors? He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be the above and not the beneath. How many of you understand that God has given you authority over every unclean spirit? How many of you understand that God has called you to go out and set the captives free? Listen to me. That all happens on the eastern side of the city. That all happens once we go through the purity gate and allow God to take out everything that's standing in the way of his anointing in our lives. But once we're willing to do that, once we're willing to pick up our cross, once we're willing to deny ourselves, once we're willing to take out all of those things that don't look like God, he then begins to exalt us. He then begins to pour out power in our lives that we've never experienced before. And he uses us to advance the kingdom of God. The profitable servant is on the eastern side of the city. And this is what God is looking for. He's looking for some profitable servants, church. Understand, unless we learn our lesson in the valley, unless we take out the trash at the dung heap, we will never make a turn toward God. We will never be seated in heavenly places until we learn our lesson in the valley, until we are willing to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and take out the trash God will not exalt us. God will not anoint us. God will not lift us up to a higher place of honor. And we remain unprofitable and unfit for the master church. If you don't learn your lesson in the valley today, God's going to take you back to the same valley tomorrow. If you don't take out the trash today, God's going to bring you what he needs to bring you through. So you take the trash out tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying, church? God will keep taking us back to the same valley and keep teaching us the same lesson until we learn it. Until we become more like him. Until there is evidence that what we've gone through has made us more like Jesus Christ. 
You see, there's a whole lot of people that I know that are living in one valley their entire Christian life. They don't ever seem to get out of it. It's the same old story. It's the same old song. It's the same old sadness. It's the same old giant. It's the same old woe is me. It's the same old thing. You want to know why that is? It's because they've not gone through the dung gate. It's because they've not learned the lesson God's trying to teach them. And so they got to go through it over and over and over again. Listen to me. I hope you understand that when David went down into the valley, he had no intention of facing Goliath again. He had every intention of coming out more than a conqueror. And the only way that happened was because he was pure and right before God. If David would have gone into the valley to slay that giant, you think the anointing would have been upon him? You think, he, you think Goliath would have been slain? No way. It wouldn't have happened. We have to go through the purity gate before God exalts us to a place of power. And this is what God is trying to teach us, church. What we have to understand is that at the dung gate, we are challenged by Paul or challenged by God through the servant Paul in Hebrews 12 to strip off anything that slows us down and holds us back. At the Dungate Church, in Hebrews chapter 12, we are to strip off everything that slows us down. We're to put off every sin that so easily besets us, the Bible says. You know, as well as I do, there's sins in every one of our life that can snag us every single day. There's sins that will come against us that we just don't seem to have victory over. There's sins that just seem to come at us. And here's what has to happen. We've got to get to the place where we once and for all take it to the dung gate, crucify it to the cross, so we can rise up in newness of life, so that we can exercise the power of God in our lives. We have to come to that place where we're willing to lay aside every weight so that we can run with endurance the race that's set before us. How many of you want to run the race? How many of you want to win the race? The only way that you and I are going to win the race is to run it with endurance. Listen, and the only way we run with endurance is by going through the valley. Why? Because the Bible says he brings us into the valley. He brings these trials and he brings these tribulations like I talked about last time so that we will be so that so that we will develop endurance. And endurance develops the character of God in our lives. This is a process we cannot skip church. These gates produce endurance. They produce the character of God. And once that's developed in our life, then we can experience the power of God in our lives. What we have to realize is every gate so far that we've gone through, church, is to get us ready to run. If you look at that, that, that diagram, you don't need to put it up, but if you look at the diagram, it's strange how that looks like a, it looks like a race course to me. It almost looks like a car racetrack to me. But the reality is, listen... As soon as every one of us come to Christ, we enter a race. And that, that journey that we go on, this journey that's outlined in Nehemiah chapter 3, is our race. We come in at the fish gate, or we come in at the sheep gate, and as soon as we come in through that gate, a race starts for us. And once we come into that gate, we're supposed to run the race, we're supposed to fight the fight, and we are supposed to keep the faith. And none of these gates should hinder us. Every gate should strengthen us. Every gate should prepare us and equip us for the next gate, or the next phase of the race that we have to run. If we skip over a gate... It's just going to damage who we are. It's just going to damage our relationship with God. So we've got to be able to go through all of these gates so that we can run the race and run it with endurance. 
What we need to understand is that all of these gates that have come before the purity gate begin to make us profitable to the master church. Begin to make us profitable to the one that has sown into our lives. And it is where, like I said, he begins to see a return on his investment. Unfortunately, down in the valley region, down in the valley and down towards the dung gate, when you look at your diagram churches where so many individuals live their entire Christian life. So many individuals that call themselves Christians live down here in this, in this valley region church where they're stuck in pride or where they're walking in their own ways or where they're doing what's right in their eyes instead of in the eyes of God. There's so many individuals that live down in this valley region church where they're filled with compromise or, or they are, they're, they're controlled by the carnality that, where they give in to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the, and the pride of life and where they do what is right in their own eyes instead of the eyes of God. This is where a lot of individuals, Christians, live their entire Christian life, unwilling to separate themselves from sin, unwilling to consecrate themselves unto the Father. You see, right here as we go through the valley gate is when we begin this turn towards God and away from sin. The only way that you and I will experience power in our lives is is our willingness to make that turn, our willingness to strip off every sin that so easily besets us, every, every, every weight that slows us down so that we can run with endurance, like I said, that race that is set before us, church. So many individuals are stuck in this place where they're not offering any return to God's investment in their life. There's so many churches that are filled with individuals that are doing nothing for the kingdom of God. What that tells me is that they're stuck at some gate somewhere because the power of God's not operating in their life. The, 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 the anointing of God is not operating in their life. The giftings of God have not been released into their life because they're stuck at some other gate that they've not been willing to go through. This is a process we all must go through, church. Listen, like I said before, until you allow God to have his way in your valley, you'll keep going there. Until you are willing to say, okay, God, you're the potter and I'm the clay. I'm going to stop kicking. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop telling you what to do with me. I'm going to tell, I'm going to stop telling you how to make me and what I want of myself until we're willing to put ourselves on the potter's wheel and say, okay, God, you're the potter and I'm the clay. You will not have the power of God released in your life. You will live on the western side of the city where God just has to continue to pour into you and pour into you and pour into you and no return in his investment is ever seen in your life. I don't know about you, church, but I want to wait. I want to make my way back up to God. I want to be I want to be promoted in the kingdom of God and in the ranks of God. I want to be used by God. I want to be profitable to the master. I want to be fit and ready for every good thing. So what does that tells me? It tells me that every day I got to go to the dung gate. Paul said, I sanctify myself daily. I strip off filth daily. I take off sin daily. I strip off selfishness daily. I take off stubbornness daily. I I strip off the things of the world on a daily basis because I want to move from glory to glory to glory. 
I want to move from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. And Paul understood that there was a valley dung process between every mountaintop. Before God takes you to another mountain, you got to go back through a valley and you got to get rid of some trash. Before God exalts you to a higher level, to a place of honor, you got to go through the valley and you got to dump off some trash. It's the way God works. It's the way his anointing works. And we need to learn to operate in that. You can't just hop from mountain to mountain. You can't do that. God wants us to go through the valley and go to the dung gate. There is a dung gate at the base of every valley God will lead you into. And the only way that you will ever make your way back up is if you drop off some trash on the way. This is what you need to understand how important this dung gate is. There's so many people walking around with a load of trash in their life. They can't make their way back up to God. Why do you think we can't take anything to heaven? Because it weighs us down. You've heard, you've heard the joke. I don't, never, I, I, I don't ever see a rich man taking a U-Haul up to heaven. Because it weighs us down, the things of this world, the things that are passing away, the things that are temporal, hold no eternal value. They just keep you from God. They, keep, they can keep you from His anointing. They can keep you from His power. They can keep you from His provisions. They can keep you from being profitable to the Master and fit and ready for every good work. It's why every time God leaves us down, we got to leave something while we're down there. We got to get rid of some trash and strip it away, church, because until we allow God to have his way, he's going to keep on taking us there. Understand this journey God takes us on is a journey back to God's likeness. It's a journey back to his image. What you need to remember is that when God created us, he created us in his likeness. In Genesis, the Bible says there came a moment in time, what we call time, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit got together and said, let us create man in our image. Let us create man in our likeness. It doesn't mean that we physically look like God. It means he created us with his character. He created us with his authority, and he created us with his power, and he gave that authority to Adam and told him to rule and reign over the earth and advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. But guess what happened? Sin came in and destroyed that rule, destroyed that reign, destroyed that likeness, destroyed that image. And because of Adam, that image has been destroyed in our life as well. So what does God have to do to restore that image? What does God have to do to restore that authority and that power and that character in our life? He takes us on this journey of spiritual restoration. We, we, were, we were not like God. We were apart from God. We were separated from God. And he calls us back in. He washes us in his blood. And then he leads us in this path back to God. And unless we're willing to go through every one of these gates and allow God to have his will and and, and accomplish his purpose in our life, we will not make our way back to God. We will not make our way back to the authority that God has in our life. And ultimately, we will not make our way back to the city of God. This is a process of spiritual restoration. What we cannot afford to forget is that every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, our righteousness is like filthy rags and we must be restored to the Father. That restoration process includes going through this valley gate and dung gate so we can strip away everything that doesn't look like God. 
And then we can become profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work. Listen, the reality is when it comes to this Dungate church, 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 17 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. I want you to understand that today when I'm talking about Nehemiah rebuilding the temple, I'm talking about rebuilding your soul. I'm talking about you who God calls a temple of the most high God. You and I are the temple. This is also a temple. This is a sanctuary of God. But you and I are a temple as well. And we are the ones that have to take this journey. We are the ones that have to make sure that there's things that are taking, taken out of our life, church. Understand, there are things that don't belong in a Christian's life. There are things that don't belong in the temple of God. I'm not talking just about this temple. I'm talking about this temple. I want you to understand that there are habits that don't belong in the temple of God. I want you to understand that there are people that don't belong in your life. I want you to understand there are some friendships that don't belong in your life. I want you to understand that there are some things that don't belong in the Christian's life. And when God takes us through a valley, it's to reveal those things that don't belong there and once those things are revealed we drop them off at the dung gate there are things that do not belong in a sons and daughter of god's lives he goes on in first corinthians 6 19 and 20 and says do you not know that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price therefore you are to glorify god in your body and in your spirit because they both belong to god It's not just your body that belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. He breathed himself into your spirit. It's his spirit that dwells in you when you come into the family of God. It belongs to him and your body belongs to him as well. I think we forget that sometimes, church, that we belong to God. I think we forget sometimes that we're no longer our own, but that we have been bought with the price, with the blood of Jesus Christ. Understand me clearly, church. When you walk through that sheep gate, you belong to God. When you and I walk through that sheep gate, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to the King of Kings. We belong to the Lord of Lords. We belong to the Holy One of Israel. And we are to glorify God in our bodies. I think we forget sometimes that when we walk through that sheep gate, that we're no longer to walk in our own ways, but we're to walk in God's ways. Why do you think he has the old gate to show us the right way? It's the word of God he brings into our life so that we can prove that we're going to walk in the ways of God. Not only is this temple, not only is this the temple of God, but this as well, church, this, this house, this, this is the sanctuary of God. This is the dwelling place of God. This isn't a trash heap here. This isn't a dump here. Unrighteousness doesn't belong here. Yeah, if you want to come and bring it to the altar. Yeah, if you want to come and bring it to the dung heap, that's one thing. But I want you to understand that this is the house of God. This is holy ground. This is the dwelling place of the Most High God. And we can't forget that when we walk into the house of God. There's things that don't belong in the house of God. You and I can't casually walk into the house of God hiding sin in our heart. We can't hide the the things of the world. We can't bring all that stuff into the house of God and expect his anointing and power to fall on us. It won't. 
There's things that do not belong in the house of God. We need to remember that, church, that when we come into the house of God, we're coming into the presence of the Holy One of Israel. And when we walk into this house, we got to act like it's holy ground. We got to sing like it's holy ground. We got, we got to behave like this belongs to God and not us. This isn't man's. This isn't yours. This isn't mine. This has been built by God. And this Holy Spirit dwells in this place. When you lift up a hand, you gotta, you gotta realize that you're lifting it up in God's house. This is His house, not our house. We gotta conduct ourselves properly when we come into the house of God. In Psalm 24, 3 to 4, David says, Who may ascend, ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Who may come before Him? Who may go up to the temple mount? David was saying. And he answers and says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who does not lift up his soul to another. He who doesn't have another God before me. He who doesn't bow down to false idols. He who's not filled with the things of the world. He who loves God above everything else. He who has consecrated and cleansed himself and devoted and dedicated himself unto God. He's the one who will ascend to the hill of God. He is the one that will ascend to the holy hill. I want you to understand our ascension will not take place until we go through the dung gate. The ascension that David was talking about doesn't happen in our lives until we go through the dung gate. David understood that. He understood that the only way that I can be seated in heavenly places, the only way the power of God will be released in my life is if I come before him with clean hands and a pure heart. If I don't have any other gods before him, if I, if I don't love the world more than I love God. And the reality is the house of God is filled with individuals who have yet to make that turn back towards God. Yet to ascend to a higher place in the kingdom of God, to a higher position in the family of God, church. Not that we should brag over it, but it's just a, it, it reveals how much God has been able to accomplish in our lives. We have to remember, like I said, that we can't go up. Until we have gone down to the dung heap. It says when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, then he will lift us up. This valley gate, this dung gate is all about humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. It's where we say, God, I'm not everything that I thought I was. It's, not, it's, it's where we're willing to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. It's willing to say, God, I've messed up. God, I've sinned. God, uh, God I've got these things in my life, God. And I'm humbling myself before you. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I'm repenting before you, God. And, and when that happens, then God will lift us up, church. We need to humble ourselves so God can lift us up. Josiah understood. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Josiah understood that for far too long, his people were dwelling in this valley region. They weren't going through the Dungate church for far too long. If you remember that study, he was sharing with us that too many believers were storing up church trash instead of taking it out. There were too many individuals that were piling up their filth instead of getting rid of it. There were too many individuals that were making excuses about the sins in their life instead of making trips down to the garbage dump to get rid of them. 
I don't know how many of you have seen that TV show called Hoarders where houses are just filled with unbelievable amounts of trash. This is what happened to, to Judah. This is what happened at one point to, to, to Jerusalem. This is what happened to the children of Israel. They were allowing so much garbage and trash to build up in their house, to build up in their temple, to build up in the house of God, that the power was no longer flowing. They were backslidden. The power of God wasn't able to move through their life until they were willing to go to the dung heap church until until Josiah took out the trash. And we know that that's exactly what he did. He went throughout the entire city for like four years taking out the trash. We've got to do the same exact thing when we when we when we don't do those church, we're going to remain in the valley. When we don't go through the dung heap, or when we don't go to the dung heap, when we fail to take out the trash, we're going to remain in the valley and we're going to remain powerless uh, before the Lord. Understand the trash heap was outside of the city for a reason. When you look at your map, you're going to find that the trash heap wasn't in the middle of the city. It was outside of the city and it was outside for a reason. It was to keep the city clean. It was to keep disease out. It was to keep sickness out. It was to keep any disease or sickness uh, from spreading all throughout the city. And it was to keep the stench away, church. It was to keep the stink away. That's exactly why the trash heap was outside of the city. Because God said in 2 Corinthians 6:17, Come out from among them and be separate and do not touch any unclean thing and I will receive you. The children of Israel understood that if there was that kind of trash inside of the city, God would depart. That the Spirit of the Lord wouldn't be there. And he proved that time and time again in their lives and in their midst that when they were an unclean people, the spirit of the Lord departed, wouldn't do battle for them, wouldn't release his power upon them, wouldn't release his anointing upon them. There are churches that are void of the power of God because they got trash piled up in the city because they're allowing homosexuality to stand behind a pulpit and try to bring forth the word of God. Understand me. Listen, it's void of the power of God. Might have a form of godliness, but it's void of power. And our lives can be the same exact way. We can put on a good show. We can dress ourselves up real good. Doesn't mean we have power. The only way we're going to have power is when we're willing to go through the Dungate Church. The reality is, as, as Christians, like I said earlier, there are things that don't belong in the city. They belong outside of the city. We were to take the trash outside of the city because those things don't belong in the city. My point is, once again, there are words that don't belong in a Christian's mouth. There are words that don't belong in a Christian's city. There are thoughts that don't belong in a Christian's mind. There are visions that don't belong in front of a Christian's eyes. There are words that don't belong in a Christian's ears. I want you to understand that there are things that don't belong in a Christian's hand. I want you to understand there are things, there are, there are devotions, uh, there are longings that don't belong in a Christian's heart. There are relationships that don't belong in our lives. And until we're willing to get them out... Until we're willing to take them outside of the city where they belong, God's power won't be released in our lives. We cannot ascend to higher places. We cannot dwell or stand in the presence of God. It won't work. It doesn't happen. He will not accept it, church. We must become 
acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. We're to take the trash outside of the city, church. Listen, because God wants to smell the sweet fragrance of his Holy Spirit. He wants to smell the sweet work of his Holy Spirit in our life. And when we fail to take out the trash, that stench covers the aroma of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think God said that we are to walk by the Spirit so we don't satisfy the desires of our flesh? When you and I walk by the Spirit, we smell sweet in the nostrils of God. But when we walk in our own ways, when we walk in carnality, when we walk according to what's right in our own eyes, guess what? I hate to say it. We are a stench in the nostrils of God. He turns his head because that stench makes its way all the way up into heaven. We have to go through the dung gate and we got to take the trash outside of the city because God expects us to be a sweet, sweet aroma before him. Why do you think right before the holy place, listen to me, right before the holy place, there was a table of incense. And that incense had to burn sweet before the Lord. And if it didn't, if that incense wasn't burning and that mixture wasn't right, the high priest was not allowed to go into the holy place. He could not experience the presence and the power of God even in his life. And the same thing holds true for us. We must burn sweet before God before we dare enter into his presence. We must burn sweet, sweet aroma before God before we we think we can enter into a holy place. Listen, when that woman with the alabaster box bowed down before Jesus and began to wash his feet with her tears and began to dry them with her hair, when she opened up that box and poured out that, uh, poured out that sweet oil, it was a sweet, sweet fragrance to Jesus Christ, and it went everywhere. It went everywhere. You know who stunk in his nostrils? The ones who questioned what she was doing. The ones that said she's wasting her money. The ones that said, what is she even doing here? The Simon, not Simon Peter, but another Simon who said, I didn't invite her to my house. What's she doing here? What was she doing? She was offering herself to God. She was taking her trash to the dung heap and allowing it to be buried under the blood of Jesus Christ. But the other men, they stood there in pride and they stunk. To high heaven. We need to understand it's at the dung gate when we drop off the trash that we become sweet, sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. So many of, so many of us want to accomplish all these things in the presence of God and we stink. There's a thing called false fire, church. There's a thing called false worship. There's a thing called false power and false anointing. The devil can duplicate just about anything. And what we need to understand is for God to receive us, we better smell sweet. And the only way we'll sw smell sweet is when we're willing to go to the dung gate church or willing to go to the refuse gate. The truth is, when we fail to take out the trash, we fail to look like Jesus Christ. When we fail to take out the trash, church, we fail to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. We fail to smell like Jesus Christ. We fail to operate like, like God wants us to operate like Jesus Christ. Listen, when we fail to go to the dung gate, what happens? Our lives become unsanctified. 
our lives become unclean. When we fail to go to the Dungate church, our lives become unfruitful. Our lives become unproductive. Our lives become unprofitable to the master. God is waiting for those individuals that are, that are prepared to take that turn. God is waiting for those individuals that are waiting. Listen, I, I hope you can grasp this. I, I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit is standing on the other side of that dung gate waiting for someone to walk through. The Holy Spirit is waiting with power and waiting with anointing and waiting with provisions for that individual that is willing to walk through the dung gate and leave the things of the world behind. And as soon as we do, as soon as we strip away those things and walk through that gate, the Holy Spirit wraps us in an anointing and he wraps us in power. And when he does, we become profitable to the kingdom of God. I hope you're grasping this church. God is looking. God's interested in profit. I know that sounds businesslike, but God is interested in profit. He wants to see a return on his investment. And he invested his son and his word and his blood in our lives. And he's looking for a return on his investment. You may not think that's true. But there's a story in the Bible where a vineyard owner planted some trees in the vineyard. And every year he would come to look for growth. Because growth meant profit. Growth meant that, that there was a return on the investment that I've made. And one year he shows up and he says, I, I've been here three years. And this one tree is not producing. This one tree isn't profitable. This one tree isn't showing any return on my investment. So what did he tell the, the, the vineyard keeper to do? Cut it down. Why? Because he wanted to replace it with something that would bring forth fruit. He wanted to replace it with something that would bring forth a profit to the kingdom of God. Listen, you and I are that tree. You and I are that vineyard. The family of God, the house of God is that vineyard. And God is looking for profit in every single one of us. And the only way that profit will come is when we're willing to walk through that dung gate and take out everything that's unclean, church. The dung gate is also called the refuse gate, as I begin to wind this down. It's also called the refuse gate, and I want you to get this. The word refuse, as in trash, as in garbage, as in rubbish, as in excrement, as in just those things that need to be thrown away, comes from the word refuse. And the word refuse means to not accept. It means to resist. It means to turn down. And it means to deny. And what was the requirement Jesus had for following him? It was to deny oneself. The requirement Jesus has for every, every single one of us is to not accept ourselves. To refuse ourselves, to reject ourselves, to discard ourselves, to take ourselves down to the dung heap and discard who we are so that Christ might become alive in our life. Do you understand what that means, church? Christ's, uh, Christ's uh, guideline or Christ's command to us for following him was to go to the dung gate, basically. To deny ourselves and refuse ourselves. And we demonstrate that church when we go to the dung gate. And when we do, 
then we become profitable. That's what the dung gate was all about. It was discarding those things that aren't like Christ. It was about taking them outside of the city so that we can walk in newness of life, so that we can walk by the spirit and not satisfy the desires of our flesh, so that we can be a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God, and so that we can be a return on God's investment. Real quick, I'm going to go through these three things. Last week, I shared with you three main valleys in this region. The Triopian Valley, which I told you, ran right through the middle of the city. This was the valley that represented God's testing in our lives. It was inside of the city because it was part of God's plan for our lives. This is where the impurities begin to come to the surface so that we can take them to the dung gate. The other valley, real quick, that I talked about was the Kidron Valley. It was outside of the eastern wall. We're going to look more at that probably next week or the, the, the next couple of weeks as we round the corner and make our way back to God. But the Kidron Valley, when you look at the topography map, it winds its way down to the bottom of the city and it joins up down around the bottom of the Dungate. And it's the very place in the Kidron Valley down at the bottom portion of the valley where Josiah took out the trash. It's where Josiah took all of the pagan images. It's where he burned all of the, the wooden idols. It's where he discarded even the bones of some of those that worship false gods he took it all outside of the city and he put it there in the kidron valley where it came down towards the dung gate we'll learn more about that because it's it has more to do in the the gates that we come to but the third valley that i want to focus on right before i close is the Hinnom valley it ran outside of the city along the western wall and it merged at the two other valleys came together, the Triopian Valley in the middle, the Hinnom Valley on this side. If you're looking at me, the, the Hinnom Valley or Hinnom Valley on this side, Kidron Valley, Triopian Valley, and down at the bottom at the refuse gate, they all came together. And what I want you to see is down in this area, in this portion of the valley, it was plagued with a terrible history. There was all sorts of vile abominations that took place in this portion of the Hinnom Valley, just outside of the refuse gate. And these things took place even among God's people, church. In this portion of the valley, it's where backslidden Judah sacrificed their own children to the gods of Molech and the gods of Baal. They sacrificed their own children here. What I want you to understand about this portion of the valley, it was the valley of rebellion, church. It was the valley of spiritual depravity. And what you and I need to understand is that when we fail to go to the dung gate and drop off that stuff, when we fail to go to the dung gate and allow God to strip off of those, all of those things off of our life, guess where we end up? We end up in a valley of spiritual depravity. We end up in a valley that stinks to, to high heaven. We end up in a valley that becomes an abomination to the sight of God. This valley or this portion of the city represents the backslidden believer who has descended to a place of spiritual depravity depravity where they are no longer walking in the good way they're no longer walking in the ancient way somewhere along the way they wandered off and now they've exchanged the truth for a lie and what you and I need to understand is that when we exchange the truth for a lie and we begin to walk in our own ways instead of God's ways, when we begin to look to the left or the right instead of keeping our eyes fixed on the king, we end up backslidden. We end up separated from God. We end up in the Hinnom Valley where we become an abomination to God. I want you to understand that a Christian can backslide. I want you to understand that a Christian can fall away from a right relationship with God. And the only way that we can prevent that is by coming to the dung gate and stripping off everything that's not like God. 
I know there's a lot of individuals that say that you can walk around wrapped in sin your entire life and do whatever you please just as, just because you you walk through one particular gate. That's not the truth. You can fall away. You can fall away from God's grace. You can fall away into a place of spiritual depravity where you will not ascend to the high hill of God. You need to understand that, church. Here's what we need to understand. This is where God's people turned away from God. Instead of separating themselves from their sin and taking out the trash, it was here in this portion of valley where we fall away from God. It's why this dung gate is so important. I'm bringing this to a close right here. The last fact concerning this particular valley is that geographically it's been determined to never end. This one particular valley, I mean, you look at it, you, you know, visually it might look like it ends, but geographically this valley continues underground as long as deep down and as far as man can measure. Man has not been able to measure the end of the Hinnom Valley where these three valleys come together. And that's why, listen, this particular valley was also called, the, the word Hinnom, translated in the Greek as Gehenna, Gehenna, to us means hell. So this valley has also been called the Valley of Hell. It's been called the bottomless pit because actually this valley has no bottom as far as man can measure. And what you and I need to understand, this is my point. When we fail to go to the dung gate, when we fail to drop off those things that don't belong in our lives, God can't bring us back up and we continue this descent into spiritual depravity, which leads us to a place we don't want to be. It leads us into the bottomless pit where we are eternally separated from God. This is, this is a truth we must grab onto, church. Until we, until we go through the dung gate, we cannot ascend back to the Father. What you and I need to understand, Deuteronomy 7.26, I close with this. It says, do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you too will be detestable. You too will be accursed. You too will be set apart for destruction. Therefore, utterly abhor it and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. It is reserved for Gehenna, actually, or it's reserved for hell. All the things that we refuse to let go of are destined for destruction. All the things of this world are destined to burn. All of these things that, we, uh, that this world has to offer, church, are destined to be burned up by the judgment of God. And anyone that is holding on to those things is going to burn with it. Any one of those individuals that have refused to go through the dung gate and say, God, just take it away because I want to be profitable to you. They're going to face a judgment that they don't want to face. And we're going to learn that as we go back up when we get to the inspection gate, which is the final gate. But tonight, if you're here, is how I'm ending. I know that a lot of this was teachy, but here's how I'm ending this. If you're here tonight and you say, God... I want to ascend to a higher place. I want to be profitable. I want to be on the eastern side of the city, and I want you to see a return of your investment in my life, and I'm willing to go through this dung gate. I'm willing to go through this purity gate so that you can release your power into my life. If that's you tonight and say, God, that's what I want. I want you to stand to your feet as an as a example of just saying, God, you're the potter. I'm the clay. And whatever you got to take out, I want you to take out. So that I can experience your power in my life. But more than that, church, so that we can be a return on God's investment in our life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this evening. 
I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I thank you that you have given us, Father God, a diagram for Christian living. I thank you, Father God, that you have charted out this course that we are to run and you've given us some instructions as to how we can experience your power in our lives. You've given us uh, an insight, God, as to how we can go from glory to glory, how we can be profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work. And it all hinges, God, on our willingness to go through the dung gate. It's a, it, it all hinges on our willingness, Father God, to humble ourselves in your sight so that you might lift us up. It all hinges on our willingness to confess our sins and repent, Father God, of the things in our life that's not like you. The things that we've been holding to, the things we've been excusing, Father God, the things that we've been hiding in the soil of our soul, God. And tonight I pray that we would leave it all at the dung gate. I pray, God, that we would be willing to say, like David did, search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. Know me, Father God, intimately, and reveal to me those things that are not like you, so that I can leave them at the dung gate. God, I don't want to slide off into spiritual depravity. I don't want to be a a backslider, Father God. I don't want to be unprofitable, unfruitful, and unfit. I want to be that individual that's able to to bring some profit to the kingdom of God that can be fit and ready for every good work, Lord. So I pray that you would do that work in our lives this evening. Forgive us, O God, of our sins. Cleanse us tonight, O God, of all unrighteousness, of our stubbornness, of our pride, of any spiritual haughtiness that we might have, O God. I pray that you would cleanse us of those things that are not a reflection of your Son, Jesus Christ. And take us through that dung gate, God. Once we do, I pray that you would wrap us in your anointing. That you would wrap us in your Holy Spirit. That you would give us clarity of direction, Father God. And that you would cause us to ascend to higher places in the kingdom of God. It's what we long for. It's what we desire. Therefore, we yield ourselves to you, God, and ask that you would cleanse us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord for his word tonight, church? Amen. Amen. I hope that, that we find ourselves, church, on the profitable side of the city this week. Amen. That you begin to experience the power of God in your life that we're going to look at next week. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry with you. Otherwise, go and be blessed in the name of the Lord. Amen.